Alright folks, welcome to uh, this episode of the Bow Hunting Soul Podcast. Um, glad you could join us. This is uh, round two for me with our guest, but it's going to be round one for you guys listening to this. Uh, we have our first official guest on, uh, on the podcast, and that is uh, Kagan McCabe of uh, Omega Longbows. We tried this last week, and Kagan, thank you again, seriously, for uh, you know doing this. We recorded about an hour, and we tried using this online um, kind of cloud-based service, and it turned out that it got most all, all your audio, but it, it cut out about 15 minutes of mine, and the, 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 the sync was all off and everything was just terrible. So we're doing this old-fashioned way with a speakerphone and a recorder. So uh, if the audio is not all that fantastic, trust me, it's better than what turned out. So um, anyway, thank, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Um, I guess, uh, you know, the last time we had a really good conversation and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go through, I want to ask you most of the same stuff, obviously, but I don't want to go through and it's hard to kind of, um, uh, you know, replicate the, uh, the responses sometimes like you'll say something like, Oh, like, Oh really? Well, I didn't know that kind of thing. So I'm trying not to like be fake about it, but I will ask you a lot of the same stuff. So, um, if you would just kind of tell everyone if they don't know who you are and, and what you do, if you could just tell, you know, your name. Oh, well, I was like Kagan McKay, but uh, tell us a little about your a little bit about your company, and uh, yeah, and some of the bows you do. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Kagan McKay of Omega Longbows. Uh, glad to be here. Happy to help. Uh, it's uh, just a small family business. Uh, got started uh, uh, seven or so, eight years ago. Um, we ha- we offer three different models, all one piece and uh, um, semi-custom, economically priced hybrid longbows, focusing on recreational hunting or target shooting. Fantastic. Um, Now, I think a lot of people do know you by reputation, which is is amazing. I was saying this before, that you kind of have a bit of a cult following in a good way um on online you know whether you you know anytime any of these like you know f- you know traditional archery forms or longbow or you know or, or, or um archery talk or whatever someone comes on and says hey uh recommend me you know a longbow looking to get into a longbow or they might be shooting recurves and you know what's a good uh you know bow to you know upgrade from like my samic sage let's say kind of thing you know and your name is uh, kind of synonymous with that almost, and and you do from from Ryan from what I see. I mean, I see you on Instagram and stuff, but you do very little, you know, advertising, and it seems like you've grown this mm-hmm. this um, uh, following uh, on pure reputation on having just like solid solid bows that are not you know ridiculously priced. Um, you know, I think you even I, I hate using the term you know economy price bow, but I think you used that term last time, and I, I don't really even think you're an economy. You know what I mean? It just sounds to me that sounds like it's like a lesser quality. But man, your bows are solid. They shoot you know really quiet, really fast. I have the uh, I have the original model, the Omega original, which is your reflex deflex style. We'll get into we'll get into a couple a uh, couple of those, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a testament to. You know, for for a younger boy, or I never, I don't think I asked your name, but I don't I don't you know I'm, you're a younger guy. I mean your age, I mean, but you're a younger guy, and you know for for you to have that kind of following is is you know it kind of speaks for itself. So, um, let's. Uh, I kind of wanted to get into just a little bit. How, how did you get into traditional archery or, or archery in general in, in the first place? Um, as a kid, I loved working on wood projects and little things. I loved making stuff. And as I got older, uh, my folks had a bit of uh, property with some woods on it, and 
of meat mm-hmm. on the table, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot growing up, but uh, having access to some trees and, you know, cutting branches and, and carving them out bows. And uh, I got started with self-bows doing just that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It, it became uh, a, a passion um, just because there are so many different aspects of traditional archery that you can get involved with personally and uh, progress through, you know, not just shooting, but learning how to tune, how to build bows, how to build arrows, how to match them together, you know, uh, how to uh, hunt with them and uh, get good at that, uh, you know, stealth and, and putting that, uh, the, putting the, the uh, pressure on yourself, I guess, uh, heat of the moment being within spitting distance of a big game animal. It's just, uh, very intoxicating. <laughs> yeah, no. I, um, th- did did you have uh, relatives or, or or you know family that hunted too, or was it just something that that you got into um, you know because it interested you? Uh, no bow hunters in my family. Uh, my dad did a bit of um, pheasant hunting and a little bit of rifle hunting here in uh, PA mm-hmm. uh, when uh, he was younger and when I was really small. But as far as bow hunting goes, it was entirely a, a, just a, a personal thing. I didn't really have anybody guiding me. Yeah, uh, you know, me, me neither. I'm kind of, uh, there's really no other hunters in my family, and it was just... Um you know i'm thinking back i did a podcast on it and I'm, i was trying to remember like how did i even get in interested in hunting and bow hunting and all that stuff it's kind of it's kind of funny you just kind of you know it just kind of work your way into it kind of thing um is that all you hunt with it was just is just longbows or do you do you take advantage of the rifle season at all or anything like that or, or, or i don't know if you can do rifle or shotgun or whatever but any kind of firearm season in um in, uh, in pa um Every once in a while, I'll borrow either my dad's old thirty thirty or my brother's thirty thirty, mm-hmm. and uh, head out you know, Pennsylvania uh, buck season. You know, after Thanksgiving, it's always sort of a, a traditional hunt, uh, at least in this area. And I occasionally go out, but I'm almost exclusively longbow, at least in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for, uh, um, you know, deer camp, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's what you're referring to. You know, I'm in Minnesota, and, you know, I know guys in Michigan and Wisconsin. I mean, this is kind of like a northern, uh, you know, states thing, you know, Pennsylvania, upstate Mm -hmm. New York. And the whole, like, deer camp thing is is something completely different, you know? I mean, yeah, you're hunting, but, you know, you're with your buddies, your family, or or whatever. And it's more like, you know, the camp is, is almost like a bigger part of the experience than, you know, the actual hunting, you know, and then the rest of the time you're like, okay, I'm actually bow hunting, you know, so um, they're, they're, they're both, you know, you know, cause I take advantage of the, you know, uh, rifle and, and uh, muzzle loader seasons here in, in Minnesota too. I don't get out that much, but um, it's usually uh, one of the only ways I'm actually able to get uh, any, any deer down. Unfortunately, I've been pretty honest uh, on here that I still have yet to shoot anything with my, uh, my traditional uh, equipment. So, but I still, uh, you know, I still love getting out there and, and doing that. And how, how was your, uh, how was this past season for you, uh, deer season? Um, I didn't get to hunt here as much as I'd like. Uh, we were working pretty hard, uh, lots of oars and stuff. But uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, either the first or second time I got out, uh, I managed to stock up on a bedded doe and uh, uh, achieve my goal for the season of uh, taking the deer on the ground, um, still hunting slash stalking uh, with my longbow. That, that, that's amazing. That's kind of a goal of mine. Um, you know, you know, I, I hunt kind of 50-50, um, you know, tree stand and, uh, and, and ground, you know, 
and uh, I've, I've never shot anything on the ground like stocking up but that's I, I mean tell me about that how, how far away were you I mean was it uh, was, was she uh, bedded in sleeping or um, just kind of you, you know looking the other way or, or t tell me a little bit about that it sounds fascinating um, I was hunting at, at, on my folks property um, so I have a pretty good idea of uh, where the deer like to set up and it was the early afternoon lull uh, where they're uh, uh, bedded down and, and chewing their cut yep. as it is um, and I, I moved moved in the wind was in my favor. Uh, it was uh, her and another smaller doe um, parked up in, in uh, uh, Aspen Patch and just took my time. They weren't in any hurry. The, the wind held well, and I managed to get uh, some trees between me and them. They're sort of bedded away, uh, and uh, I got within about 10 yards or so. Wow. And, uh, yeah. It was very exciting. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh... <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm getting like I'm. I, when people tell stuff like that, I get like so excited. Like I'm almost there. Like just you get the, you know, the, <laughs> that feeling. You know what I mean? Even though it wasn't there. Like, yeah, go okay. on. Yeah, go on. Oh, I said, yeah, go go on, finish your story. I interrupted, but yeah, so you got within ten yards, and then uh, a perfect shot. Did she did she uh, go anywhere or? Uh, no, no, I was, uh, I was definitely excited. Um, getting that close, particularly on the ground, is, uh, probably the most exciting thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have better success out of a tree stand, that's why I set the goal of trying to stick to the ground this past season. Um, my first draw, I was shaking like a leaf. I got a, a branch stuck in my bow, <laughs> forced me to let down and, and take a breath. Um, I, I, it was not a, not a terrible shot, but I missed slightly. She, like I said, she was bedded, um, and it, it did cut the spine, went through the top of the shoulder into the spine. She didn't go anywhere, uh, but I had to follow it up yep. pretty quick, but it was very intense. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's uh, yeah. That that that's amazing. That that's one of uh, one of my goals. Do you do you um, uh, you know, do you use any kind of like like camouflage? Do you subscribe to any of that kind of stuff, or just basically just you know stay, you know stay downwind and uh, be very very still or very very slow? Um, I started using camo in the last couple of years, uh, simply because it's easier for me to set. Have a, a uh, I use the ASAT. Mm, yeah. Um, it's easy for me to keep it in a bag and sort of keep it from getting too smelly and, and whatnot with the rest of my gear. And then uh, I use uh, one of those little bee smokers yeah. uh, to sort of put a bit of cover scent on. Since most of the places I hunt are near houses with fireplaces or, or wood stoves. Okay. Um, so I use a bit of can uh, use a, the AS, the ASAT leaf you see uh, to help break up my outline and uh, then a bit of the smoke to sort of. <laughs> that's cool yeah i got i just uh got in a couple of weeks ago a, a ghillie suit i ordered from amazon and uh you know I've, I've been trimming it up and stuff i haven't really shot it yet i got it in and then i had to leave on this work trip so um yeah it's it's sitting at home but i'm really anxious to try it for turkeys um speaking of turkeys are you do you chase turkeys at all too or i do unfortunately spring is usually when orders start to really pick up uh everybody's getting excited for summer 3d um so I don't, I have not gotten out yet. Uh, PA turkey season opened uh, over the weekend. And, uh, I'm chomping up a bit. Uh, we heard some gobbles last month, but haven't seen anything since. They've gone quiet. They must have known I'm uh, 
Yeah, yeah, no, mine. Uh, I, I, I'm lucky enough that there's a, there's a, there's a public land spot like literally five minutes away from work, and uh, you know when the sun's up at like five o'clock, I can get in a good two hours in the morning of, of 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 turkey hunting. But right now we've had so much flooding that it's it's pretty much underwater. I was able to go one one day. I uh, called in two hens. Um, and uh you know obviously you can't shoot the hens or whatever but uh no 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 gobbles but it was like you know the, and i know the area and they are they always hang out there you know year after year kind of thing i've missed a couple birds there but uh you know it, it's still fun but I'm, I'm i'm waiting to get back here uh you know in about another week or so when i get home and then um hopefully the the the, the marshes and stuff have kind of uh you know receded a little bit but man we got walloped with uh, with flooding so um you know there 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 goes my uh basically my first few weeks of, of season um it's kind of washed out luckily we can we can hunt with archery equipment we can hunt until uh the end of the end of may as so we get like six weeks almost so so that's um that that's kind of good so yeah i understand I'm, I'm trying to do the uh you know i'm on the ground in a blind but i'd like to do uh spot and stock on them as well kind of a run and gun with with a ghillie suit and i'm really really uh, jazzed up to try one of those things but um but swing it back to your to your company here now you said you had three different styles of longbows um you want to you want to kind of briefly touch on them and, and what some of the differences are and maybe what one is more suited for versus another sure um well uh the standard model the base model i guess is uh our original longbow. it's a somewhat mild reflex deflex um it's available 62 to 64, uh, and are fairly um, standard uh, selection of options. We've got a couple of different woods used for the riser, um, different colored glass, that sort of stuff, and a couple of different core woods. It's uh, it's designed. It was the first hybrid ever really worked on as a composite with the fiberglass. Yep. Um, and it's designed to be a uh, reliable. Uh, stable hunting bow that offers recurve levels of performance in a bow that's um, simple and hardy. Uh, you know, something you can take hunting without having to worry about. Um, we also have the uh, Imperial, which is designed around the um, some of the more stringent uh, requirements for tournament longbows. Mm-hmm. So has more reflex deflex than the original but at brace all of the reflex pulls out of the limbs to give it that traditional um d curve uh like you expect from longbow um it's a a a larger riser with a lot more deflex through it making it easier to shoot more accurately and it has a much larger uh selection of options on different riser materials and configurations limb lengths, limb weights, materials, and so on. Uh, also offer a compact hunting bow, the Native. Um, it's a 58-inch, very aggressive reflex-deflex hybrid. Um, it's a buttery smooth little shooter. It's very comfortable even even for long-draw archers like myself. Um, I pull about 31, and at 58 inches, it does not stack. Wow. It is just as comfortable uh, at my draw as... Um, like a 64-inch bow. Um, and, you know, it's not as forgiving because of that tight string angle, but for such a small bow, it's uh, it's very comfortable, it's very consistent, and uh, uh, for folks who are looking for something maneuverable in a hunting weapon, um, it's about as uh, as nice as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, no. Um, I've seen uh, a couple guys uh, on with a couple YouTube channels uh, shoot. I, I can't. I for the life of me, I can't remember um, his name or the name of the channel right now. But uh, uh, I, I've seen it in action, and then I've also seen uh, Joe Perini uh, shoot shoot one you did for him on his channel. Uh, it's and it's you know sounds super quiet, super nice, uh, very compact. And I know the compact ones are are kind of hard to shoot sometimes, and that's not what I'm hearing from your bows. I mean, I have a I have a Kodiak Magnum. You know, and uh, yeah, I, if the thing starts to stack, even close to 28, you know, um, but that's that's not the that's not what I'm hearing out of your bows. Now, is that is that something to do with uh, j just is it a limb design thing with you, or or you know, why, why what makes that one so so much smoother than your typical compact bow? Well, being a long draw archer myself, um, I've always been, struggled with getting a short bow to work. Um, a lot of uh, the geometry that a bow geometry, you know, laying out how to get the right uh, uncurl to the limbs and um, getting the leverage right to, to keep the draw force nice and smooth at the back end um, by pumping up the early part. Um, it the, the whole goal when I was designing it was uh, to put as much deflex in the riser section as possible to mm -hmm. keep uh, uh, to keep the final bend of the limbs uh, within their limits, and you don't want it hitting a wall where you're you've reached the elastic um, limit of, of what the the limb can offer. Right. But also the, to timing the curve so that there's more bend left in the limbs than even a long draw archer would require, um, and more so than performance or um, you know, aesthetics or anything like that. The, the native was built around the uh, desire for that smooth draw, and yeah. uh, it, it's inspired by some of the ancient Egyptian composite bows. Um, they're very triangular in shape, which made you know a very small bow that, uh, unlike some of the other Asiatic composites where they were reflexed their entire length, mm -hmm. it uh, makes it a little easier to shoot. But it also makes it easier to keep the limbs um, balanced between the two. Because, like you said, the short bows are not only difficult to shoot, but they're also a bit more challenging to build. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm get, I mean, you got just just from a, from a layman's terminology. I mean, you just have like less material, less length to work with, right? I mean, when you've got longer Absolutely. real estate on a longer limb, you can make it do more. And, uh, and and for those listening that may not know what um, let's say stacking is, for example, uh, you know stacking is you know let's say you're you've got a relative you know near near kind of you know where you would be to full draw. Let's say you've got a relatively linear like gain and gain and poundage, right? And everyone kind of throw throws out like two and a half to three pounds per inch. And I know actually it, it doesn't it's not exactly like that, but let's just throw it out there for a rule of thumb. Then you know, once that you know once you kind of get near. Um, uh, let's say unfurling, you know, let's say it, it, maybe it's easier to explain on a, on a recurve, you know, so when, once like those tips, let's say start unfurling, um, then you don't have much spring left in there. And then it's, it's, it's the limb, it's less of the limb actually bending and you're actually starting to stretch the limb, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, longboat applies, obviously it applies the same way. So that, those are kind of the things that you're, you're talking about having, you know, to have still have enough, 
uh, bend, you know, ability to bend the limb rather than, you know, the things, you know, bent as much as it could. Now you're starting to pull it straight back kind of thing, which gains you uh, no performance, but I mean, it's like pulling on a, on a rope, on a taut rope or a cable at that point, And all you're doing is just pulling harder, right? Essentially, yeah. yeah. And it's particularly difficult with uh, longbow limbs because the recurve gives you that bit of extra geometry as they uncurl. Yeah. The longbow doesn't have that. Right, right. Um, do you think, so this kind of segues into longbow styles just to, just in general. I know we, we kind of talked about um, the 3D offer there, but do you think in general um, a, a longbow is easier to shoot than a recurve? This is like, you know, one of the number one questions that, that gets beat to death, you know, but what is your opinion? My opinion was it really depends on the bows being compared. 90% of the time, no, a recurve a modern recurve, the heavy riser and composite limbs will be easier to shoot than a longbow. Mm-hmm. Usually they're uh, either cut to center or past where not all longbows are even cut to center. Um, the risers are usually heavier and they come easier to balance on target. And nowadays with all the ILF options, um, it's really tough to beat a recurve, when, particularly for a beginner when you set it up. Um, the draw to the longbow um, is it's the simplest version of the bow. Um, it is the most challenging version of it. Now, uh, a 70 inch Imperial, my, my, my go-to bow personally, mm-hmm. um, I can shoot that a lot better than say something like a, a 60 inch recurve, particularly one with a straighter riser, um, and certainly at my draw. Yeah. But for most shooters, uh, they find that the, the recurve will be easier to shoot accurately. Okay. Because um, now, as far as um, now, as far as just in the, in the longbow thing, then does that kind of carry in like that that are, that a reflex deflex would be easier to shoot than like a pure like D shape or hill style, um, or yeah, well maybe I'm asking that wrong because I know I think we're kind of headed down a path where you're gonna say well that imperial for example looks like a D shape but when it's when it's unstrung it's it's pretty aggressively um uh reflex deflex right but mm-hmm. you know uh, like a, a typical like asl or hill bow when it's unstrung is a pretty much like a flat stick or it might have a little bit of string follow or it might have a little bit of back set meaning like the limbs kind of curve a little bit to the back and a little bit to the front you know the, the tips rather but it's pretty mm-hmm. much a flat stick now uh, a lot of people say, yeah, the hill style bow is like super, super forgiving. Now, do you think that's more forgiving than than say like an R and uh, like an RD longbow, a uh, reflex deflex? Um, well, I'd say that also depends. Uh, a long, you know, a seventy or seventy-two inch hill style bow is uh, a really sweet. It's a very stable and consistent bow. Yeah. But depending on your arrow preferences, if you want to shoot a lighter arrow, they can be uh, <laughs> a bit unforgiving. Yeah. And, uh, uh, wind up with a lot of shock. The other factor is when it comes to laying out the riser section, uh, those straight risers with the, with a deep handle, it moves the balance point back towards the shooter mm-hmm. and it can work against you. Um, my Imperial, for instance, uh, the riser is very long and heavily deflexed. So the point at the end of the fade to sit back of uh, the throw of the grip. So it, it moves that balance point um, forward on the bow, uh, the same way a hill-style bow with a forward handle or a reverse handle where it's glued on the back part away from the shooter would be more forgiving than one that uh, the riser block is 
like I said, it all comes down to the design. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because that was one of the uh, things that surprised me the first time we talked. And, and, and I want to kind of uh, go over that again just a little in a little more detail because because it was something that I had never thought of and somebody – um, you know, who is interested in this kind of stuff, who geeks out over like details like that. It would be interesting to them too. So you're, um, mm-hmm. you're, um, well, let's back up just a little bit. Um, f- you know, when we talk about deflex, right? Deflex, let's say is, um, you know, when you hold the bow and it's starting from the riser, it's the limb curling, uh, towards you, correct? Mm-hmm. And then the reflex part of it is the limb curling away from you. So, uh, you know, technically, if you were to think about a recurve, you know, it starts to curve. It's, that would be like deflex, reflex, right? Starting from starting from the, the riser and going out toward the tip, it starts curling towards you. And then near the tip, it starts curling away. Well, you can, you can you know, apply that to a riser. You can apply that to limbs. And the, 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 the closer the center line of, um, uh, of, of the, those limbs are to where the, you engage the bow with your palm, then the more stable it is, correct? Yeah. Okay. So on your uh, on your imperial, you were saying that the way you have the the fade outs, where the where the riser starts to fade out and the limb proper starts, that it's actually uh, cl- like the limbs are closer where they start flexing is closer to the archer, and you know c- kind of rather than you know t- t- not toward the front of your hand but toward the back of your hand. Is that correct? That yeah. limbs start curving behind your hand when yeah. you're holding them. And that, that behaves like a, and, and you said it a little bit ago, and that behaves like a forward handle uh, style uh, uh, bow, where, you know, the, the, the meat of the handle where you grip it is actually, you know, f- you know more forward of, of like, you know, the, the riser itself, but the limbs actually start closer to you and it's and it's something that if you were to first look at that bow as a non-bowyer you know um your bow the the imperial uh that would not be uh, totally obvious but you know you explained this to me last time i'm like oh yeah i'm like son of a gun that that's i'd never would have even thought of that and that's that's why everyone can't just be a backyard bowyer i guess you know <laughs> well everybody can but uh, that's the fun part about it i mean right. whether or not you know which little details to apply to achieve the uh, shooting characteristic performance that you're looking for. Right. Um, the trade-off to the heavily deflexed riser and setback designer is they're usually a bit slower. Right. Right. Um, do you is there um, do you do you put any credence to um, a longbow being able to shoot a heavier shaft better than a recurve, or is it just or is that just kind of old old wives' tales that? Um, is, is not really backed up by science. I mean, what, what do you think of that? Um, that doesn't really hold a lot of water. Yeah, <laughs> uh, energy is energy, right? Bow, right, and not every bow uh, will have the same stack point. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that uh, folks try to use to compare recurves and longbows today um, came from folks like Howard Hill mm-hmm. um, and in his book, Hunting the Hard Way, he talks about how recurves are a bit more sensitive and they don't handle the heavier areas as well. Um, and that's because a lot of the bows back then, you know, at that time were simple wood composites or self bows, where it was essentially a shortened long bow with recurves steamed or bent into the tips. Mm. And those bows would get a stack point a lot sooner than, you know, the full six foot bow that Hill was a fan of. And that early 
waste that point would reduce available energy, and it, it's the stored energy that leads to uh, a performance with a heavier arrow. Yeah. Uh, like you were saying earlier, with a, a long bow that has a long limb, there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of smoothness to it because you're not hitting the, the stack point within your normal draw. So it's very smooth, but also has, that means it has plenty of energy to really thump a heavy arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the big draw to a lot of these uh, super curves, super recurves yeah. in the market. Um, they just have tons of stored energy because of those big curls, big hooks, and uh, they really like heavy arrows for that reason. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of spring. I mean, the limb is basically a spring, right? So, I mean, that's a lot of spring there that, that you're holding up. Now, the, with with longbows, everyone talks about limb stability because the limbs are usually like thicker. They're not as they're not as wide. You know, they're not wide and thin. They're kind of like you know stockier. You know, um, and you know less chance for limb twist um, at the shot or um, you know you know and the twist maybe is like a you know I'm not talking like drastic or anything, but. Um, it, it, does, does that stability or maybe ease of shooting it in, in some instances come from a longbow limb? Is, is that because of how just kind of stable those are and they don't, they, they, they kind of track straight when, when the archer lets it go? Uh, to an extent, um, there are certain materials that uh, are more forgiving of uh, uh, radical designs. The, the carbon on the market now allows recurves to hold their stability better. But if you were trying to compare uh, a thin um, fiberglass and wood recurve limb with a big curve to something like a longbow, where the string doesn't touch the limbs past the knot, uh, it's very easy to twist it side to side. Yeah. Um, for the average shooter, they probably wouldn't notice until the limb gets wonked. <laughs> right. And it, then it's more about a durability issue than um, forgiveness. Okay. That's uh, yeah. That's man. This is that's, that's a lot to take in. You know, it's uh, and this is this is one of my uh, my pet peeves. You know, and and, and I know what people are trying to say, but when they say, you know, it's a stick and a string. You know what I mean? And they try mm-hmm. to just oversimplify it. And I know what they're getting at. Like, don't get into your head, learn to shoot, kind of thing. But there's really, really a lot of science behind behind what goes on and, and, and launching a projectile out of out of out of this you know bent you know uh, laminations of, of wood and, and and glass and things like that so um absolutely yeah so kind of following along with that um j- just some more details about bow design uh for example uh the shelf the your bows have a very pronounced um a curvature to the shelf so that the arrow is only about you know touching on on a minimal amount of, of that bow so that the weak the, the weak link in this whole weak link in this whole uh, structure meaning you the archer um, has minimal influence as far as torquing or side to side twisting or whatever at the shot um, so the, so a flatter shelf you know will have a lot more contact with the arrow and a lot more chance for the um, uh, the archer to uh, to influence the arrow unintentionally so uh, that works out good but let's talk about the, the how how deep the side plate is cut now um, why are longbows typically not cut to center or a little bit past center like some recurves are? Is that just tradition? Is it history? Or is there like an actual um, uh, science and reason behind it? Uh, mostly the strength. Typically recurves are a bit wider than a longbow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, certainly through the riser, you usually can find a, a recurve riser that's built to a, large, or to a wider uh, specification than your average longbow, which is, you know, you can 
reduce performance okay. uh, unless you use a really, really tough material for the riser box. Okay. So that's just basically out of, uh, uh, yeah, okay, just out of design. You know, longbows are skinnier generally, and then you can only take away so much material, correct? Now, that usually necessitates a, uh, a weaker spine arrow because we need, uh, we need it to be able to, um, to paradox around, uh, you know, to create a curve around that, that, that riser. Um, so, you know, but with, with a good, uh, for some reason, though, with, with your bow, um, you know, like I said, I'm shooting, a, uh, I'm shooting an original, and, I, and it is 45 pounds exactly at my 27-inch. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling 27 on that with a clicker. And, you know, I'm finding that I'm not having to do anything drastic with, um, uh, with my arrows as far as, uh, you know, being able to, to, to get it to, you know, to shoot straight or, or shoot around the, you know, so, mm-hmm. so you must be doing something right, Kagan. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you get too center cut um, and you're shooting fingers, the, arrows, the string has to clear the tips of your fingers. Uh-huh. So, you know, ideally a release would be uh, there's just enough tension to keep your fingers curled around the string, and that release you just stop holding. Right. Uh, so the string has to come out around and that point if the arrow is pointing too far inward you know with the bow that's past center a good ways um it can mess things up particularly if you're using like a thick shooting glove or if you've got you know bigger hands or or you're just your release isn't quite that clean or or, you know natural finger position that sort of stuff yeah um from the average shooter uh cut to center if you already intend to shoot fingers uh, off the shelf you know you're not looking to put a rest on or anything like that um it can be surprisingly forgiving of air spine and tuning. yeah no i uh, i actually did a, a a youtube video on on archer's paradox um a while back and it's one of those things where people don't think about is like you said, when you when you release that string, the string is actually has some sort of. I mean, it's got to, it's got to push your fingers off to the side, but there is a like a bit of a side thrust, right? I mean, it kicks the string, and, and then the, the the tail of the arrow, the knock gets also kind of you know follows with the string. So if you know you're when you're starting out, if you know your arrow is pointed, let's say your right-handed shooter, and it's pointing a little bit like to the left. And then everyone's like, well, why is it pointing to the left? Well, it's because it's designed to be shot off of fingers so that when you when you release the string, then that string kind of kicks back towards your face and it and it does like a like a bow duke, you know, dukes of hazard kind of kicks the tail end uh, in line with the front end of the arrow. And that's and that's what actually helps clear clear the riser. I mean, it's not magic that it always curls a certain way around that riser. You know what I mean? And when people uh, uh, say well you know i'm kind of getting into it and um you know can i use a mechanical release i'm coming from a compound and a lot of traditional archers are, are you know they're like hey you know whatever it gets you to you know to get in and get comfortable try it but i cautioned against that saying look a mechanical release releases that string in a dead straight line it's not and then you know so you end up with like a like a stiff reading you know on on your uh on your shots it'll because the, the front of the arrow is pointed to the left and if the the knock travels in a in, in a dead straight line like it does in a compound, well, the arrow is going to go left. You know, you're not getting that mm-hmm. sideward thrust uh, from from coming off your fingers, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, again, uh, more things to think about. Now, since we're talking about the hand a little bit too, um, how high is there an optimal you know height above the the web of your hand that that shelf needs to be um, to not get kind of like like a like a pivot effect or is, is lower better? 
say I'm not certain on that one. I've seen it done several different ways. Uh, I've also seen some archers uh, raise the, use a stick on rest mm-hmm. higher on the shelf to help adjust their uh, impact point. So from a performance standpoint, I like to try to keep it close to the hand. Um, you wind up getting, usually get the most uh, uh, draw length out of it at that point. And yeah. for folks who are shooting off the shelf, Usually, uh, they want something that is as close to their hand as they can, so it makes pointing to what you want to hit simpler. Um, and aesthetically, I also find it a lot more pleasing to the eye. <laughs> no, I, I 100%. I actually tried it on, I tried it on your bow too. I tried it a couple different ways. I have a stick on like bare weather rest. And honestly, it didn't shoot any better with the weather rest than it did, you know, off of, uh, you know, off of the riser. Because, like I said, your riser or your shelf is like pretty aggressively curved, and there's not much contact in the first place. Now, I have a '59 Kodiak, and that is like a dead straight, really skinny, flat, flat, flat shelf. And I hate the feather rest that that, that comes on that thing. So I yanked that thing off, and I could not get that thing to shoot, you know, well for me with a with a. I mean, I could get it to impact where I want, but the flight I wasn't I wasn't happy with. You know, I I I'm like a stickler for dead straight bear shaft. You know, um, and especially with feathers. No matter what, no matter what I did, I couldn't get it to. Um, I couldn't raise the knock point high enough. If I, if I raise the knock point high, and then it was flying knock high, and I would lower, lower, lower it. And it would get to a point where it kind of get okay, and then any more, then the, the feathers would start bouncing off the shelf and then kick it knock high again. And I put a weather rest mm-hmm. on there, and it shoots amazing, right? But that's, mm-hmm. again, with a totally flat shelf that, that needed that rest. Um, the problem is when you start putting that on, um, like I tried it on my Kodiak Magnum, for example, too. And uh, with that one, I already have to have kind of like a pretty high knock point. And with such a short bow like that, I, had, I ran into... I mean, the, the the sound changed. You're you're unevenly pulling on the limbs, you know, as it is, you know, for uh, for a bow that was designed, you know, it's a, this is a 1966 model I have, you know, which I don't think it's changed now, but you know, designed to be shot split finger that kind of thing. So, you know, you you have some limit, you have some limitations. So, a bow that's designed from the get go with a with a perfect shelf like you've got um, eliminates a whole lot of problems down the road, you know. When I started, I, I did uh, offer more of a flat um, sight window and a slightly flatter shelf so the folks could put rests on. Um, and that, that's the big benefit to a flat shelf and a flat sight window. But with longbows, you know, I'd say 99.9% of the folks that uh, were ordering had every intention of just shooting off the shelf. Yeah. So I tried to optimize the design for that, and it looks very different from something you would want um, if you intended to shoot off of an elevator burst. Right, yeah. Like I said, it works. Trust me, it works just fine. It, uh, <laughs> it shoots pretty nice for me. So um, <laughs> Now, let's let's talk about uh, a couple other uh, things here. When we talk about glass, right, everyone talks about glass. Now, we're talking fiberglass, correct? There are, like, sheets of fiberglass mm-hmm. that um, are glued, you know, to the, to the front and the back. Well, that... I guess the belly and the back. I, I'm sorry. I, the, the archery terms to me are just completely backwards. You know, the back of the bow, the belly of the bow. The belly should be the back and the front should be the front, not the back, you know. But um, both sides of the limb, let's say. Now, is the glass, um, is, that designed, is that designed to keep uh, the wood from splintering? Is it, is it supposed to add um, durability or, or poundage? Or what, what's it really for? Everything. Uh, the fiberglass is much more resilient, actually, than the wood, um, but it's very heavy. So 
the fiberglass, glass, you can bend the crap out of it and it will return to its original shape. Okay. Um, you really, really have to stress it to get the glass itself to fail. Um, whereas you could take a, a same size piece of wood, you give it a good bend and it'll retain some of that shape because the wood cells, they're, they're stretched beyond their, their limits or, or they compress and they can't fully recover. So the fiberglass is incredibly strong, not only in tension, but also compression. But being so heavy, you just want it on the outside surface where the vast majority of that tension um, is and the vast majority of the compression is. Yeah. On the inside, that's where it, you're sort of just using the wood almost as a spacer. And the different qualities of the different types of materials you can use in the limbs still have the, an impact, but with the fiberglass on the outside like that, it does the vast majority of the work bearing the brunt of um, tension and compression. So the, you can push the limits of the design a bit more, um, and it'll retain its shape you know, almost indefinitely. Whereas if you're building something like a self-bow or an all-wood composite, you have to be a lot more careful about uh, how much stress you put into the design because the materials, they just can't handle it. And, um, and how long you leave it strong too, right? I mean, because it'll start to take Exactly. That. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's, that's neat. Now, you said uh, there was a, a couple different thicknesses of glass. Now, is, is that something that you design into the final like bow poundage? Or do you just do that with the shaping and like the, like the thickness and the width or whatever of, of the limb itself, and you just kind of stick to one size uh, glass? Um, I usually stick with one side of the glass because I typically only build um, in the, you know, up to 55 or 60 pound draw weight range. Mm -hmm. um, normally, if you're, you're adjusting the thickness based on um, your draw weight and the materials you're using, uh, you can fine tune that balance because, you know, the fiberglass is very heavy. It does a lot of work keeping the, you know, the limb robust and coupled with longevity. But if you try to use too much fiberglass or, or get too much weight in that limb, you're just going to destroy your performance. Um, yeah, you're trying to accelerate uh, a heavier mass, right? I mean, just the limb itself, much exactly. less trying to accelerate the arrow. Exactly. And yeah. the same with the glue. Um, oh, yeah. To an extent, you can get punished if trying to put too many uh, thin laminations in a really lightweight bow. Uh, you wind up adding a lot of mass with the extra glue, which is heavier than the wood. Um, yeah, we, but, uh, I think we, we when we first talked to, I was mentioning I work for a race team, you know, and the same thing happens with uh, every time we get like the body painted, you know, the body panels painted on these things, uh, the, the paint just or, or in wood and, and filler and things like that, you know. Um, just just you know carbon and the glue and then you know and because it's they're carbon bodies but you know they get painted and they get patched or whatever and you don't realize how much weight this thing gains over the course of like a year or two years or whatever just from fixing and, and, and paint and glue you know exactly yeah exactly and with a, a longbow or a recurve you know like you said there's only so much uh, material there and uh, if you, you keep it light, it'll be nice and quick, and you won't have a lot of shock in the hand. But uh, if you're not careful, you can easily overlay the limb with with weight, and uh, your performance is going to suffer. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, absolutely. And and I do love the sound of I don't know if this is related to that, or not, but I do love, I do love I do love the sound of that longbow when it's just shooting like a heavy enough arrow. And then, you know, it, it's a different sound than I get with my recurves. I mean, they're, they're pretty quiet, too, but you get that, you know, like that kind of sound, you know, and it's more like a really subdued, subdued one, and that just sounds so cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? no. um, it was nice for hunting too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, quiet, quiet's everything, right? I mean, quiet is good. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess kind of segue into that. Into uh, uh, well, I was going to do arrow setup, but let, let's just do shooting style. What is what is your preferred shooting style? Um, I don't do anything special with my shooting style. Um, I try to emulate a lot of the top arrow archers of the day. Um, now a lot of them uh, competitive. A lot of the competitive archers string walk. Mm-hmm. Um, since I'm just a close range, you know, backyard hunter, 3D shooter, that kind of stuff. I just shoot three under. Um, I typically shoot a pretty heavy arrow, so you know, my point on distance is usually around 30 yards these days, um, which makes it very easy. I kind of gap shoot in that I see the arrow, but. Uh, most of the time, I'm just focusing on uh, making a good shot. Uh, I use Joel Turner's um, feather to the nose and mantra uh-huh. to help keep target panic at bay. Um, but what, what, what is your mantra? Is, is it uh, is, is it is it safe for public consumption, or do you say like you know die MF or something like that, <laughs> like Aaron Snyder? I said, what is your mantra? Is it is it uh, you know is, is it like you're gonna die or is it like you know like Aaron Aaron Snyder I think says like you're gonna die MF or something like that or is it something a little more severe? <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, just keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. Yeah, um, trying to maintain tension and uh, direct it uh, rather than let my my brain get carried away with outside thoughts. Yeah, um, until that feather touches and then you know like I said relax the fingers and maintain my uh, follow through. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, there's I, nothing really special about how I shoot. <clears throat> yeah, it's tough to explain to people sometimes too, because I, or even to myself, because I'm I'm pretty much the same way that that feels good sight picture kind of thing, and um, mm-hmm. you know I I I fool myself with um, uh, with target panic too because uh, my my point on I shoot like a heavy arrow I shoot like a 610 grain arrow you know um, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, actually, I, I, out of out of the original, actually, I I've, I'm down not down. I'm about 500 grains on that one. I got a I've got a uh, arrow combination that work really good that I've that I've settled on. But either way, um, my sight picture is you know the, the my pin or my pin um, my my arrow tip kind of floating at the six o'clock position a little bit low. So I can't do mm-hmm. the exact like gap shooting like you know x many inches for x many yards. That's just too too much for me. But if it looks good, I'm you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm like pinpoint, but I mean, I'm I, my goal is to be like under a fist size, um, uh, you know, kill zone accurate. And it seems to work, uh, you know, really well for me there. And it fooled my brain into not having target panic because, um, you know, I do have a compound too that, that I shoot, you know, r- rarely. And I do suffer from target panic, you know, and I do the, the you know, the drive by like, you know, hold at the six o'clock and then uh, kind of, you know, with your pin and then kind of, you know, lift up and shoot kind of thing, which is terrible. And I'm sp- not supposed to do that and my point on for for my for most of my trad bows are about 24 25 yards and i do sometimes suffer with that if i have to put you know the tip of the arrow right on at 24 25 yards but under 20 15 yards whatever it tricks my brain like nope that that sight pin is not on on the target so it's okay <laughs> and it, it just let it go and it works just fine so your uh, your arrow setup. You said you don't go any anything crazy, but what what is your arrow setup like? What um, do you have? Do you have a preferred brand that you use? Uh, 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 you know, arrow shaft or, or um, you know, broadheads or feathers, veins. What are you doing? Um, I don't really have uh, any particular uh, arrow setup that 
I prefer above anything else. Uh, I do like a full-length arrow uh, as long as I can get them. Um, with a longer draw, it doesn't give me a lot of overhang. So uh, if a, a shaft's a little extra long, it gives me a bit more broadhead clearance. Uh-huh. Um, so I shoot a full-length 400 um, with usually around a 200-grain tip. Uh, I am a fan of the big concave cut um, Simmons broadheads. Yep. Uh, and... Well, the two blades in general, I find them pretty easy to, to sharpen. Um, they, they sort of carry well. I can store the broadheads in a, a small package mm-hmm. uh, rather than having to try to carry a little case. Um, Is it because they don't uh, fit in the quiver easily? or? Um, or... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah. Well, quiver or in the, like I have a little archery tackle box uh-huh. um, that, you know, during archery season or, or what have you all. Sometimes I'll pack some few points in case, a few points or blunts in case uh, one of the with friends. Right. And it's easy to just take the broadheads off and, and storm away. Um, uh, so I, just, I usually shoot a two blade broadhead. Um, typically, the, uh, the Simmons. Uh, the last couple of years I've been using the uh, Simmons Safari, the longer one, okay. um, without fence. Uh, I usually shoot uh, three, four, or five inch feathers. Um, uh, again, nothing really special there. <laughs> what, what's, what's your total arrow weight? Um, right now I'm shooting uh, gold tip velocity, which final arrow weight is right around 500 grams. And you, and you said you were pulling, what, 45 pounds, you said? or? Yeah, right around there. Right around there, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, do you get into the whole FOC thing, or are you just, you know, whatever kind of works nice and straight for you, you're, you're okay? Um... I accidentally got into the FOC thing. Uh, when I started with carbon arrows, I was still shooting really heavy self bows, and loading up on point weight was an easy way to uh, get the final arrow weight up to a sort of safe range for those bows. Yeah. Um, but it was a couple years after I started shooting carbons that I found the Simmons broadheads, and they're typically a little bit heavier. Uh, and I never really stopped shooting heavy points since then. Uh, so most of my arrows do have a pretty good FOC balance. And you know, I'm no master archer or anything, but it does seem to shoot a little bit better for me. I've tried lighter points since then, and uh, they just don't seem to group as consistently yeah. um, at the distances I shoot. But I'm your master archer. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I just like the way heavy points fly. <laughs> no, I yeah, I do too. And like I said, I, I kind of ended up almost accidentally too. I, I wasn't like purposely chasing. It's just uh, you know, however, I ended up with the arrows. I end up, ended up with you know whatever I had on hand, and I'm like, okay, well, let's make this work. Keep adding point weight, and you know, I get to the point where I've got you know, I'm not weakening the spine. You know, I've got perfect bear shaft flight. And, um, you know, uh, I end up with, uh, I mean, on, on, on my recurs, I've got like, you know, they're, they're 610 and I think they're like 27% FOC, but that's not cause I went chasing it and I wasn't trying to get like a super light shaft either. Cause I want the durability, mm-hmm. um, on your bow, you know, I'm, I was still messing around with it by the time I left, but I ended up with like a 500 grain arrow, um, with about 19 or 20% FOC with like a hundred and I think 25 grain tip but i've still got like a hundred hundred grain brass insert in there or whatever so um mm-hmm. that's why i was asking you about the simmons i saw i was looking at the simmons stuff because there's not normally i have this wikis on the other ones and um uh-huh. I, you know i was trying to find a good 125 grain broadhead because that's what flew perfectly with uh 
with 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 this setup and i didn't want to change it because it, it, it flies so nice i'm like you know it's one of those when you've i love to tinker and i'll probably tinker more but you know when you when you've got it i'm like, like man you know if i want to take this out the season and i kind of rotate all my bows and if i want to take this out for turkey i need to find a 125 grain broadhead i can just you know screw on test it a few times and then go hunting with so i think they they do make a 125 but it's not as aggressive aggressively concaved and stuff and and let's just face it cool looking as the rest of the, <laughs> the two sharks and land sharks or whatever but um so as far as poundage now what um what do most of your uh customers order nowadays what range uh, the vast, yeah the vast majority of my customers are ordering bows in the 40 to 50 pound range yeah um i occasionally get some lighter and some heavier but uh i at least 75 percent of the bows i'm building anymore are in that 40 to 50 pound range 40 to 50 pound yeah and i i, I kind of like that too um my my it, it ends up being kind of like dog slow almost but you got such a you know heavy arrow that's i i don't think i'll have any problems like sub 20 yards and i like the, i like the the trajectory that it that it takes because i'm not shooting farther distance um you said you you like to do 3d and that kind of stuff i haven't really gotten out to a 3d range and i know that'd be fun um, but uh, it's, as long as I've got that same kind of flight path ingrained in my head, or at least very close to it, um, you know that 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 seems to work out, you know, really really nice for me. And I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not so caught up on on uh, on speed. I, I did run yours through a chronograph. I think I was getting 154 feet per second, I believe, with like a 500 grain arrow. You know, pulling you know 45 at at uh, 27 inches, which is which is pretty stout. You know, that's 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 no lightweight. You know, um, yeah. my other bows are uh, they're heavier arrows, but they're they're slower than that. And it's like you know, I, I really don't care. You know, once you got perfect flight, um, I'm, I'm happy seeing it. So um, it's nice to be able to shoot an arrow that's not so fast that you can't track it. Particularly yeah. when hunting. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I, I agree. I on my a lot of uh, game has been taken before uh, three hundred feet per second bows hit the mark. <laughs> oh, jeez, I know it's it, it, it's kind of comical. Um, you know, even on my compound, I mean, it's only like fifty three or fifty four pounds, and I'm shooting a four hundred fifty five grain arrow. And it and I chronoed that at like two twenty five. Now any modern quote unquote you know guy coming into compound would like cringe at anything under two eighty. You know how could you possibly you know. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, these things fly so nice, it flies so straight, you know, I mean, come on, you know, so it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's comical, but, you know, they'll come around, eventually everyone kind of learns that, uh, you know, they, 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 they learn the hard way, of like, light and fast isn't always, you know, damned all be all, and you don't have to chase, you know, final numbers and stuff, and, um, very true, yeah, uh, so life cycle gear, uh, I want to touch on that a little bit, um you uh are now one of the bowyers that is uh a supplier to lifecycle gear which is a company started by ron rohrbaugh um and uh tell a little bit about lifecycle gears um i guess uh goal or or, or or you know mission statement or whatever and then how you got involved with that um well ron had contacted me after he has already spoken to a few other bowyers and got them on board um about creating a uh, separate lineup um, using uh, responsibly harvested domestic hardwoods. Um, there are a lot of really beautiful custom bows out there, but most of us bowyers use uh, exotic woods. You know, they're, they're more colorful or denser or whatnot, and usually domestic woods don't get the same kind of attention. But the trouble with those exotics is they're not always responsibly sourced. So they may not be 
and going to, is going to great lengths to uh, source not only uh, beautiful domestic woods, but beautiful domestic woods uh, from the area that uh, most of us boaters uh, live and work. Yeah. Um, and I use a lot of domestic woods in my boats already, so I just love the idea. Um, and Omega was able to offer a bit more of a, an economically priced option mm-hmm. um, in addition to all these really beautiful um, but entirely domestically sourced um, custom bows and also to have stuff on hand uh, usually for, for custom bows like myself there's a bit of a wait time uh, so it was nice to have an option for folks who might be looking for um, some of these bows but without the weight right right um, has that uh has, has that been, a, you know, an, an increase uh, in, in sales for you, like, significantly, or is it just kind of small batches that, uh, you know, that, that don't really, you know, are part of your, you know, the bulk of your orders? Well, we did one small batch last year. Um, we might do another one this year. I'm not certain yet. Yep. But uh, it's it's still uh, a fairly, uh, it's fairly new uh, idea or, or, or business um, uh, I only I think it's only been officially launched now for, for about a year or so uh, so it hasn't gotten up to uh, full steam as it were but it, it is a really neat idea the Alleghenies that I built full on uh, are a slightly different version of my Imperial it's got a bit more reflex to the limb so it is and uh, it is a life cycle exclusive yeah. uh, it's not a design that I offer um but it's got a little bit more to the handles. You get to see those really beautiful woods. And like I said, the ones are a bit more reflex to give a bit more speed, a little bit more uh, smooth lifts, particularly for folks in the mid-draw uh, draw range, you know, 26 to 30 or 31, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, oh, that's, that's, that's a great uh, uh, that, that, that's a great idea that he's, that he's kind of tapped into, you know. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um I guess uh, let's let's kind of wrap up a little bit here. Um, any uh, any future models that uh, you can talk about, or that you're that you're working on, or any kind of um, you know improvements that you're that you're that you're thinking of adding down the line? Um, for 2019 and uh, probably for 2020, uh, I've got a few different ideas that I want to go through and uh, update. On my current models, uh, not only in terms of small tweaks to the design to help refine them a bit more for uh, the, the sort of build that I usually do for each model, but also to add some new materials. I just got in a big uh, order of carbon to help firm up the limbs, to help improve performance some. Um, having fun with that. I also just put in uh, for some Dynalux, um, that's a resin impregnated uh, white wood. But it's got some beautiful colors to it, and it's very dense. Uh, a lot of archers like a heavy handled bow, make them stable. And uh, this might be a an economical option for a lot of folks who like the the mass of something like Micarta or G10, um, but with a lot more color options and without the uh, really high additional price tag that's usually associated with those materials. Right. No, that's that's a good idea. Um, you you mentioned carbon there. Is is, is a carbon um, a replacement or alternative for fiberglass then for for backing? 
Well, the carbon I'm using is uh, not the bias ply that a lot of the uh, really top-end performance custom boats are using. Mm -hmm. um, this will be in addition to the fiberglass, uh, right under the fire. To, you know, the fiberglass will still maintain, be maintained as a skin, mm -hmm. um, but the carbon will be just under to help add a bit of stability to the limbs, make them a bit more rigid. Uh, okay. it, I've done a few bows with it so far, um, and it doesn't add significantly to the performance itself, but because it's stiffer side to side and, and adds to the vertical stability, I'm able to narrow the limbs, you know, reduce oh. mass, which improves not only aerospeed, but it also limits vibration, the, the hand shock you feel, because hmm. there's less inertia to those limbs. Um, it's not a huge improvement the way uh, something like uh, uh, border or center archery can take advantage of. You know, it, it, the cross weave is very stiff, right. um, but this is a bit more economically priced. Um, so for like per strip, it's going to be significantly less than you know. When I, when I started looking into some of the uh, carbon weave. Uh, it would be about two or three hundred dollars per bow yeah. in just the carbon, yep. and at my price point, that <laughs> not a, not exactly in keeping with the theme. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I'm familiar with 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 carbon and, and what it can do and what it costs. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of neat. Um, cool, cool, man. Um, so we've brought an hour here, so I guess. Uh, we can wrap this up. Uh, how how can people uh, people get a hold of you? Where do where do they find you? And your all your uh, you know all, all your wares. Uh, we're online. Uh, we've got omegalongbows.webs.com. Uh, we're working to launch a new website, omegalongbows.com, but it is not quite done yet. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook, and folks can always email me directly at kegan underscore mccabe at yahoo.com. Um, I try to check my emails every day, or uh, if I'm really busy in the shop every other day. Um, and I usually uh, uh, try to get back to folks as quickly as possible with any questions or or concerns. Yeah, no, communication-wise, uh, you're 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 really really good. You know, uh, it doesn't take long for you to get back to uh, to somebody and answer some questions. So I appreciate that, and I do appreciate um, you coming on again. You know, spending another hour. Uh, I promise you, this one recorded. I'm, I've been watching it the whole time on my little Zoom recorder here, so we're good. Uh, it'll probably be a couple of weeks before I post this one, but um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, for uh, just hang on a second after uh, after we stop this, but. Uh, for the audience here, thanks for tuning in. Um, go check out Omega Longbows. Uh, I'm telling you, you know, you don't need my, uh, you, you know, uh, verification. Uh, just go, go do any kind of search online, and you know, someone asks for uh, a bow that they want to get into or a longbow. You know, uh, Omega comes up like eight out of ten times, and I've, I don't think I've ever even heard one bad review of you personally or your bows like ever on this thing. So that's that's a testament to, uh, to a testament to your product. So. Anyway, um, thanks for joining us, and uh, I will uh, talk to you guys next week. Please uh, subscribe and leave some reviews. We need reviews out there so we get out to a bigger, uh, bigger, bigger audience, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks.